Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode we are going to be talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Now this is the second and unfortunately final film that Andrew Garfield played the masked web-swinger. But it really gets a bad rap. Like, a lot of people do not like this film. I... I don't know. I don't know if I can understand why. Possibly. I could possibly see why. But for me, I enjoy it. And I'm very hesitant why. But I just think it's good. I think it's a very enjoyable Spider-Man film. Maybe it's not a good film. But as a Spider-Man film goes, it's pretty solid. Like There's some good action. There's some good heart. It's probably the most heartfelt Spider-Man film I can really think of. I mean... Far From Home is pretty sentimental with MJ and Peter, but I think Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker in this film, similar to the first one in Andrew's series of films, I think it's great. You know, I really love what they have together. And yes, it's a lot more complicated in this film compared to the first one. It's very much like Spider-Man, I think it's 3? Yeah, I'd say Spider-Man 3 when there's all that dilemma between MJ and Peter. So it's very much similar to that storyline and it doesn't always work. Like I wish they would just be more straightforward with each other and love each other. I just want them to love each other. I don't want them to go through breakups. I don't want them to you know, have tension or whatever. But I get that balancing the life of a masked vigilante and Peter Parker's actual life, it's tricky, okay? It's very tricky, but they kind of do a good job balancing it towards the middle of this film. It's just the start is a little bit shaky, it's a little bit ropey, but as soon as Electro kind of really comes into it, I think it's actually a solid film. Now, yes, it's quite long, it's 2 hours and 22 minutes, but I'll admit, it doesn't feel that long at all. Like There was a part where I thought, starting to drag, and then it just flew by. The next thing I know, it ended, so I don't think this film is too long, I don't think it's paced badly. I think a lot happens, okay, a lot does happen. And here's the thing, I always remember this film being full of too many villains that aren't explored, but it's really not that bad, like, after watching it again, it's not that bad at all. I think Homecoming does exactly the same, so if you're not going to criticise that movie, but you are going to criticise this, it makes no sense, it makes no sense whatsoever, so as far as I'm concerned, yes, I would have liked more to be done with, you know, the likes of Rhino in this film, but... It's only really Electro and Green Goblin towards the end that feature in it. I mean, yeah, it starts off with Rhino, but apart from that, there's only two villains. So I don't really see how anybody could argue, and they have argued it. When this film came out in 2014, right, seven years ago, a lot of people complained, saying it was too stuffed full of villains that weren't developed. I, I used to think the same, but I don't understand how anybody could see that. You've only got Electro, who is very well developed, and... You know what? I'm going to hold my hands up and say I like Electra in this film. I like Jamie Foxx playing him. I know he's blue and he shouldn't be blue, but CGI is good. That's the main thing to talk about in this film. CGI looks fantastic. Every single shot looks great. Yes, a little bit too animated and too cartoony towards the end, but the CGI is actually solid throughout. And 
I do like the kind of design of Electra. I think the way he moves, the way he can dissipate, and the way he can just charge through electrical sockets. That's cool. That's very nice to see. We haven't seen this type of villain before. So similar to what The Amazing Spider-Man did with having a reptilian villain, you've got another villain here that we've never seen before in live-action form. Yes, he's very much different to what he should be, and, okay, rewatching it, I'm kind of annoyed at what they do right at the start with Max Dillon's character. Because those that know who Max Dillon is and who Jamie Foxx was playing, they know full well that he's going to turn into Electro. And they know what Electro, you know, should look like with the green and yellow costume. And when it's Max's birthday at the start of this film, he gets a cake out of the fridge and it's got yellow lightning bolts on it with a green frosting, and yes, that's a very much on-the-nose nod at the actual character in the comics. But why didn't they do that for the actual film? Why didn't they do that for his costume? I don't know. So I'm intrigued that he's going to be kind of more similar to his comic book counterpart in No Way Home. But why isn't he blue in that? And why is he blue in this? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to find out. But I can't help but feel that I enjoy the way that Electro becomes Electro and how he is when he's fighting Spider-Man and when he's getting all angry towards the end. I think it's actually pretty damn good. Maybe I am the only person in the world that thinks this, but I don't know. <laughs> There's something about it. It's just enjoyable. Like, it's a stupid, dumb film. Sure, I can admit that. The script isn't good for some of it. Like, some of it works, but other parts, yeah, it's kind of stupid. But I just find it enjoyable and that's the main thing i'm looking for when i'm watching a spider-man film because yes i enjoyed the previous films but the issues in this film they don't limit it they don't limit it from being a genuinely fun enjoyable film yeah it's not the best it's definitely not one of the best spider-man films but it's certainly a hell of a good time and it has some of the best action you could see in a spider-man film like the web swinging through new york city the parts when he's fighting electro when he's having to dodge out the way of his lightning bolts plane facing another plane about to crash into it towards the end mental okay absolutely mental but it's great it looks good it feels good it is good i just like that sort of stuff and there's a lot more heart to this film than i think a lot of people would like but i'm all for it you know i'm a huge fan of this heart in the film because you've got aunt may having some genuinely powerful scenes with peter towards the end especially i can't talk about it because of spoilers but yeah it's genuinely emotional i think it's actually the only spider-man film to make me cry so yeah that's kind of weird it's a sad film but I, I enjoy it i really enjoy it i think the music's good i think hans zimmer actually had a part to play in the music for this film which he wasn't in the first one but the electro theme is fantastic like it's really really good a lot of people don't like it and a lot of people think it's stupid but for me i think it works very well and towards the end when they're fighting they're in like an electrical power grid and Electro is firing bolts off and it's hitting off these kind of charges things, whatever they are, the big towers, and it's making a tune, and the tune is Itsy Bitsy Spider. Now that for me is so outrageous, yet it's fantastic at the same time. Like, yes, I know a lot of people are going to have issues with that and say, oh, it's stupid, why is his ringtone the Spider-Man theme, why does he whistle it? Why is anything the way that it is in this film? But I appreciate that. I love that. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I love this film so much, but I just do. Maybe, again, I was the right age for it. I was 14. I was, no, I was 13 when this film came out. 
It's a great age to have a Spider-Man film you know, come out in the cinemas. It's a long, enjoyable film with great action, a great performance by Andrew Garfield once again. Great looking suit. The suit looks fantastic. It's very reminiscent of Toby's suit. I think I still prefer the first Amazing Spider-Man suit, but this one looks great too. I love the progression that Peter makes, you know, the fact that he has to adapt his web shooters to cope with facing Electro, the fact that Gwen Stacy has to help with this, you know, you see him changing, you see him trying to improve himself, and, you know, you don't actually see him get the new suit, but you imagine it's similar to how he gained the suit in the first one, and he had to make it himself, so I love that, I love how it doesn't really spoon feed you with, oh, by the way, Spider-Man is this incredible superhero, he gets his own suit just like that, you actually know that he's gone through an actual development stage to become who he is. That's great, okay? That's so good. And yes, he's troubled at times. He doesn't always get it right. He sometimes messes up. He sometimes falls on his ass. He sometimes gets hit by a police car. But that's what makes Spider-Man so lovable. He's not perfect. He's got flaws. He's got issues. But we still love him because he's trying his best, okay? He's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Nobody's actually asking him to do what he does. He just does it because it's right. He does it because he wants to. And that's what I love about the character. That's what I love about Andrew Garfield bringing this sense to the role because I didn't really feel like it for Tobey Maguire. I always felt like he was just there. But with Andrew Garfield's portrayal, I do feel like he's doing it for the good of the city. And for a lot of this film, especially towards the start, it is just him swinging around New York, waiting for villains to come about, you know, waiting for crime to happen so he can stop it. You know, I love that. I love that it's not just, oh, he's swinging around and all of a sudden bad guys are there. It's actually him waiting for the bad guys and then eventually they turn up. You know, it's not just a real... That's ironic. A freaking police car goes past just as I say that. But it's not like the villains just happen to show up just as Spider-Man appears. It's the other way around. So Spider-Man is trying to find them and he's there just at the right time. You know, it's great. So... I love this film, you know, I love the opening, I think seeing more of his parents in it is good. Does anybody know about the deleted scene that's in this film? I won't mention it because of the spoilers, but yeah, there's a deleted scene, if you know, you know, but it's very interesting, but weird, and I'll get onto it in a spoiler review possibly, but yeah, his parents being back at the start of this film, you see what happened after they dropped him off at the start of the first film, so I like that, I like the added context for why they did what they did and where they're going and I think throughout this film you know Peter trying to find out what his father was up to that's a really good little side narrative that goes on and then it kind of intertwines with what's going on with Harry Osborn and you know him becoming Green Goblin which is great too I, I like the development that is happening there I think it's somewhat underdeveloped I will admit that but when he actually becomes Green Goblin, I think I think it's good. Well, I don't like it, but I think it's good. I think it's respectable. And to be fair, I think Dane DeHaan does a relatively good job playing Harry Osborn. I know people don't like him in this. I know people don't really like him as an actor, but I think he's fine. Like He's had some good stuff. He's had some bad stuff. He's pretty good in A Cure for Wellness, but I wouldn't really recommend that to anybody. It's a good film, but it's hard to recommend. But... Yeah, he's good in this. I think he's actually pretty damn good in this. Um, I Again, I like Jamie Foxx in it too, but I like Jamie Foxx as an actor. I think Emma Stone, once again, is great. Andrew Garfield as well, like I've said. Everybody's doing a very good job. You know, I can't really criticise the performances. The script doesn't help them a lot of the time, but 
I don't really care. I'm not watching a Spider-Man film for the script, especially because the script in the first three films has been garbage, so I don't really care about it now. My issue, okay, my main issue with the film is we don't get to see what happens next. So this film is very much designed as being a second parter in a trilogy. So it's a shame that we didn't get to see it. Part of me is glad because how this film ends and what happens towards the end, I kind of worry what would happen in the next film. But (laughs) the way it ends, it's so... It just teases, okay, it teases you what's going to happen next, which is annoying. And I hate it when films do that. But the way it does it in this film, it just gets you pumped up. It gets you really hyped to love Spider-Man. And I love Spider-Man. I love the character. And I love this adaptation of the character. But I'm just devastated that we didn't get to see a third film. And I really think if Andrew Garfield had one more shot at being Spider-Man, he would get a lot more fans. You know, people would finally be on his side because... He's good in this film, he's good in the first film, people need to give him more credit, but if, and it's a big, huge if, I'm not sure he will, but if he comes into it in No Way Home, will it be some sort of redemption? I don't know, I I don't know, I don't know if he needs it, I think if anybody needs it, it's probably Toby, but I don't care, I would love to see Andrew return more than anything, absolutely, but I would rather it be in a third solo film for him, I would prefer it to be that rather than him show up just in a cameo role in a Tom Holland Spider-Man film, but we'll see, because I don't think either of them are going to show up, to be perfectly honest, you know, it's funny, as the films have progressed, as I've been watching more of them, I'm starting to think more and more they're not going to show up, so yeah, I don't mind if they don't, but it would be great if they do, it would be crazy if they do, but Amazing Spider-Man 2, I enjoy it. Maybe I'm crazy, but I can't help but find enjoyment in this. It's not perfect, but it has some very, very good action sequences. has some good performances. Script ain't good, but the music is fantastic. Directing is still very solid. And I, I just feel bad for Andrew Garfield, you know, not having a third film. Either way, he's had two pretty damn solid films. I love him as Spider-Man. I think ultimately what this film is missing, the main thing, both these two films are missing, J. Jonah Jameson. That's just plain and simple. We need J.J. We need J.J. in every single Spider-Man film ever. So, yeah, that's me done. There's some good teasers too, but I'm not going to mention that, but Sinister Six possibly. Anyway, with that, (laughs) I've been Kieran, and I shall speak to you in the very next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth.